Mark chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. If you have your Bibles, uh, I hope that you will turn with me there. Mark 12, 41 to 44 is where we're going to be today. Uh, at the end of next week's service, next week's service is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have our team back from Ecuador, and they're going to come, and they're going to share. And, and Ken's going to, Pastor Ken is going to lead that service and give a gospel message and, and everything else. But then also just share with uh, you uh, some of their uh, experiences and what God is doing in Ecuador. And I promise you that you will be, you will be blessed. And then following that, there's going to be just a small fellowship in the Welcome Center afterward, and you can stay and talk to them, ask questions, and hear some stories and all that good stuff. I just want to invite you to make sure that you're here for that. It's going to be a great time. Today, though, we're in Mark 12, 41 to 44. Would you uh, follow along with me? And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to, him, said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and kindness and, and generosity. We, uh, we recognize, Lord, that, uh, that you are here today, an unseen guest with us. And so, Father, I pray that you, we would uh, recognize that you are here, that we would be willing to, to listen to hear, to feel your presence. And as you lead, Lord, as you speak and as you move and as you touch us, Father, I pray that you would give us the grace that we need to respond with obedience in a way that would honor and please you. I recognize, Lord, that I have a part in this. And so if you, if you would, Lord, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, I recognize that today's passage of Scripture is, is well known, and yet at the same time it, it can be difficult to hear and even to apply and to, to put into practice on a daily basis. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us in a unique way, in a way that only you can today. Jesus, we love you. pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. It's been three weeks since the start of the year. This is tw day 21 of 2024. How are y'all doing on your resolutions? You know, you guys, I, I, a few weeks ago we had a, it was a, a Tuesday. There was a lot of snow and we, we had a bunch of people just out sledding down the hill, you know. And afterward, I made some hot chocolate, and people came in, we drank hot chocolate, and there was a young lady, he wouldn't take any hot chocolate because she was on a diet. And she said, I just can't do it. I said, whatever diet you're on, you need to quit right now because, I mean, like, that's just, if it doesn't allow you hot chocolate, what kind of, kind of self-sacrificing diet is, I mean, that's just not. But that's, what some of you are doing, right? You're sacrificing food right now 
or you're sacrificing this right now so that you can get to a place where you want to be. Maybe it's food, maybe it's you're, you're going to the gym every day, or maybe you're, you're doing something else. Maybe you're sacrificing your time and you're, you're getting into the Bible once a day, and you're reading through Scripture, and your goal is to get through all the Bible in one year. Maybe that's what you're... I, are you sacrificing anything right now? In 1941, a Polish priest was sent to a, a concentration camp at Auschwitz. His name was Maximilian Kolbe. As we all know, food was limited in these prisons, concentration camps. But instead of fighting for a place in line, Kolbe gave up his place in line and oftentimes would go days without eating, without drinking, so that others might have food and rations that they needed. At this camp, when a, a prisoner would escape, uh, they, they would execute 10 men. And so if, if you, it would just be a random, too. It would be this, hey, these 10 guys are going to be, keep guys from wanting to flee and escape. But after a man from Kobe's bunker escaped, 10 men were chosen. Uh, one of the one of them was a young man who Colby knew, and he knew that he had a, a family, wife, kids. And so Colby, he, he pleaded with the guard. He said, listen, I'm an old man. This guy is young. He's got a wife and kids, and let him live and allow for me to be killed. The guard agreed, and the, the way that they would kill these men, they would starve them to death. They would take their food away, their water away, and they would, a lot would give the, the other prisoners sight. Two weeks passed, and all the other men, the other nine men, all perished, and Colby was still alive. Suffering? fragile, weak. Finally, a guard came to him and Colby lifted up his arm and asked for mercy. And the guard executed him. When I think about sacrifice, I, I don't know. I have trouble uh, thinking about people in my own life that sacrifice like this priest, you know. But you look throughout history, and there's, there's plenty of examples, right? I mean, if you look at 9-11, you look at the, the paramedics, the firefighters, the police, the, the, even some of the people that worked in those Twin Towers, right? Uh, you look at the story of the Titanic and the crew members that were on that ship. They, they sacrificed themselves for the good of others. There are, there, are, there are stories that we can read of this, right? Oftentimes, we see... And here are parents who sacrifice for their kids. Heroic stories of, of moms running into burning buildings or, or fathers stepping in front of a bullet for their kid or, or giving of their last dollars so that their kid might have what they need to go to school. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the word sacrifice means to give up something that is valuable in order to help another person. In religious context, sacrifice can be defined as an offering of a possession and an act of worship. In our passage of Scripture for today, we see a woman who is doing both of these things. She is she's giving of 
herself of, of a possession that's going to cost her something, but it also she's giving it as an act of worship to her God. Look at this woman and what she does in comparison to the others that Jesus is watching. Verse 41, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. What I love about Jesus in this passage of scripture and what I, I, I can relate is that Jesus was a people watcher. You ever think about that? You ever go to like a airport or a basketball game or maybe you're just out in the welcome center and watch people? I, I kind of like to watch people. I, I, I go to these wrestling meets on Saturdays and sometimes, you know, there's, there's a wall between, especially later in the day when our kids are all eliminated from the competition. We don't have a... <laughs> you watch, you know. You watch people. And uh, here, that's what Jesus is doing. And he's sitting back and he's just watching people's actions. Isn't that an interesting concept? That Jesus is watching you. He's watching people. He's watching them do what, though? Put money into an offering box. Does that, does that worry you, concern you, that, that Jesus is 2,000 years ago, he's watching people put coins into a box you think he does that today he watches people as they put money into an offering plate I don't know hope it doesn't concern you but it's a reality I think he's still watching us he's watching me he's watching you and today's passage he's watching people put money into an offering box Offering is a part of worship. It's a, it gives us an opportunity to give a portion of our financial resources to God as a sign of our worship to Him. It's a, a sign of our reliance on God. That we rely on His grace and His mercy. We rely on His provisions. It's a sign that everything that we have belongs to Him and everything that we have has been given to us through Him. We see that throughout Scripture that our wealth is not it is nothing. Uh, I mean, let me, let, me, let me rephrase this. One of the commentators that I read this week stated that wealth forms a unique temptation to trust in ourselves and our resources instead of trusting in God's provisions. Instead of trusting in God and his resources, that it provides a unique temptation to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in God. You ever find that to be true of your own life? Some of us have done well, you know. In America, it's not uncommon for people to be wealthy, especially in relation to the world. You know, to go without is not something that we can really relate to. I remember one time as a, as a young pastor, we went into, a, me and a, a deacon, the chairman of the deacon of my church, went into a home of a, a person that they didn't have money. They were asking for help to pay a bill. And so one of my deacons, he, he uh, was a farmer. 
and a wealthy conservative with his wealth and has done very well for himself. Uh, he would plant sweet corn throughout the year. And he, he, uh, he brought this corn into this family and he had hogs and he would brought some whole hog sausage in and, uh, and brought to this family that was in need. And he walks, we walk into this home and it didn't look like a home that there was people that had need, right? And uh, every kid had a laptop, every kid had new shoes on and, uh, you know, cable TV. And I mean, it was just like, if this is a person that's in need, you know, that it looks a little bit different. If you go to India and you look at the people that are in need there, it looks a little bit different. And does that make sense? Like in America, our wealth and our poverty don't look like two different things to people across the globe. And historically, they don't look the same. It provides a unique temptation for us, friends, to trust in ourselves rather than trust in the Lord. At this time, Jesus was at the temple, and he was more than likely in the court of women. And, I, you know, I'm not a huge historical uh, person when it comes to looking at the, the temple and everything else, but as you walk in, this temple, this court of women was right there at the very entryway. And it was a large area, and there were boxes. Uh, they were shaped in the, in the, they looked like a trumpet. And you would throw money into these boxes, these trumpet-looking boxes. And uh, there was 13 of them. And, and so each one had a different designation, right? So here Jesus is, and he's, he's watching these rich people come in, and they're, they're putting money into these boxes. And if you're wealthy, then what are you doing, right? You're not just putting money into, into one box, or you're not just putting one coin into one box, but you're throwing multiple coins in multiple boxes, maybe even all 13 boxes. You have a handful of money, you throw it in. What's it going to do? It's going to make a loud noise, right? It's going to clank and clank, and, and everybody's going to hear, and everybody's going to see as you walk down the line, and you take this money, and you throw it in. All right? So here Jesus is, he's watching these people, they come in and they're, they're doing probably what? Making a spectacle of themselves and allowing everybody to see what they're doing. I'm taking the money, I'm throwing it in the box, look at me, look at what I'm doing. All right? That's the concept that Jesus has seen. That's what he's seen from these rich people. He's watching, he's looking, he's paying attention, and he's just making a simple observation. Now, I will say this. If you look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus doesn't really make, he's not overly critical of these people, right? I mean, there's no over-criticism, but he, what he is doing, he's making the example not of them, but of the what? The widow. And what does he say about this widow? Let's look at verse 43. I'm sorry, 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. There's too many things that we can notice about this woman. There's a lot of different things that we can't say, but let's just talk about these two things. One is she's a poor widow. You can say, well, pastor, that's just two things. 
being poor and widow is two things. But honestly, during this time, it, it's, it, was all, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't two different things. If you were a widow, you were poor. And uh, one of the reasons uh, the church has an obligation to care for the widows, I mean, throughout Scripture we see this requirement to take care of widows, is because the, the husband was their main source of income. Women could be financially resourceful, but husbands had power, they had influence. And when their husband died, they, they struggled to make ends meet. They were taken advantage of often. They, they had limited resources to become financially stable. And so the church responsibility had, they had a responsibility to care and provide, to have pity and to make sure that they weren't being taken advantage of. Still true to this day, by the way. It would be easy to see the widow and have pity on her. But here we see that Jesus is using her as an example. It would be easy to see, hey, let's, let's, be, let's have pity on her and to miss the example that she is, the example that she was. It would be easy to miss it. But Jesus makes sure that nobody misses it but rather that she is an example, not only for his disciples, but for the history of the church, friends. Oftentimes, I think we, we think that, I mean, the world standards, if you're rich and you're powerful, then people, like, we can use you, right? You're an example to others. And, and we can't be of influence unless we have a huge following on Facebook or social media, or rather we have power and influence through our job, whether we have power and influence through our community. And here Jesus, I mean, he uses this widow, this lowly, poor widow, as an example. And friends, let me tell you something. Throughout the history of the church, God has been using the lowly, not only to shame the, the, the wealthy and the powerful, but to reach the kingdom of God. God uses the lowly. To reach the world. God takes those who are willing to give up everything that they have. And when you don't have anything to give up, it's a lot easier, friends. Look at the rich young ruler. What does it take, Lord, to inherit the kingdom of God? What does your, your law say? I've done everything that it says. Okay, well, go and sell everything that you have. The man went away. Why? Because he was wealthy and he wasn't willing to give up. God makes a living out of using the lowly. The second thing that we notice is that she gave. She gave two copper coins. These coins were the lowest form of currency that she had. Honestly, there isn't a, a proper evaluation of currency between these two, between our currency and theirs. Penny probably is the easiest one because it's the lowest form. This is the, the absolute lowest form of currency. Many scholars believe that even this a penny is like, is low enough of a currency. But this is what this woman had. She had two of these coins, and she came, and she came to the, the box, and she gave these two copper coins. 
as a sacrifice, as an offering, as an act of worship. This is what she did. Verse 43 says, And he called his disciples to him, and he said to him, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. And she put in everything that she had and all that she had to live on. What Jesus isn't saying is that the widow gave more money, but rather that she gave more of her means. She sacrificed more. Albert Barnes says that she gave more love to sacred cause, more self-denial, more sincerity in what she gave. Don't confuse this, friends. Jesus doesn't care about the money that you give or the, the amount of money that you give. He cares about your heart when you give it. He cares about the motive behind the gift. This woman gave sacrificially. She more than likely got paid once a day for her work. And more than likely she got paid these two coins for her daily work. A servant would get paid once a day so that they would make sure to come back the next day to get paid. And so these two coins is what she got. It was barely enough to survive, barely enough to make ends meet. And here on this day, she took what she had, all that she had, and she gave it. This woman gave sacrificially. Fast forward a few chapters and we see that the man who was watching her gave everything that he had for the sins of others as an act of worship to his father. And if you fast forward a few more chapters, he calls his disciples to do the same thing. And if you fast forward 2,000 years, you see that he's still doing that same thing today. He's asking his disciples to give up everything that they have and follow him as an act of worship to their God. Not much has changed, friends. Giving is an act of worship. It should be. It's impossible, friends, for your giving to be an act of worship if you first haven't given your life over to Jesus Christ. It's impossible for your giving to be an act of worship if you haven't first given everything that you have over to Jesus Christ. If you just, if you haven't given Jesus Christ your life, all you're doing is giving out of pride, out of ego, out of hoping that your gift in some way will make you look good in the eyes of others in the eyes of God. And the reality is God doesn't want just a few small coins. He wants you. He wants your life. He wants you to give up everything that you have. And when you give up everything that you have, you realize that what you give is, is no sacrifice at all. It really, it's, it's an act of worship. 
It's an act of love. I want to give you three biblical principles on how every Christian should give. Okay? There's, there's a lot more that could be said here, but we're, we're short on time. And I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I'm going to give you three things. The first one is give joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8, each one of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Friends, we give, uh, we, we get to be a part of the kingdom work. We, we may not be in Ecuador right now, but we get, when we give, we get to be a part of what God is doing there. Uh, and not just there, right? But when we give, we, we, we get to be a part of what God is doing, not just in Ecuador, but in other places as well. Uh, there's an old saying that, that it's better to give than to receive. And there isn't a better feeling in the world to helping someone in their time of need. And that, that could be whether it's financial help, whether it's a physical need, uh, or a spiritual need. The greatest help that you can give someone is allowing for them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Giving allows for these opportunities. allows for the church to to send people to Ecuador or to, to support missionaries in Africa or in China or in Iraq or in Mexico or even people that are right here in St. Joe. Secondly, Second biblical principle is to make giving a priority. Proverbs 3, 9 tells us to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Notice that it doesn't say with your leftovers. It says give of the first fruits of all your crops. Giving is a spiritual discipline. You, you need to, we need to make it a priority in our life. Uh, it's... Uh, It's impossible to do if you don't plan it out, to give regularly, to make it a priority. Sit down, put it in your budget, weekly, monthly, yearly, and say, this is what we're going to do as a family. Have this conversation. Make it a priority in your life. Before you pay your taxes, before you, you, do, uh, you pay your bills, before you buy a car, before you buy a house, before you plan your education, before you do X, Y, or Z, your retirement plan, you sit down and say, okay, this is the first responsibility that we have. For 15 years, my wife and I, we've, we've tithed regularly. And it, it's never been something that we've questioned. When we first got married, it was quite, like our, our, we had people in our family, we, we, we were just really poor. And we didn't have a whole lot of money. And, and people in our family, like they questioned us giving to the church. Like, why are you doing that? And there's never been a time in our marriage where that's been a question of whether or not we're going to do it or not. And I can't tell you how blessed we've been because of it. I, I mean, I could give you stories after stories after stories of how it is better to give than it is to receive. 
and how that one discipline has shaped our entire, entire financial stability in our marriage and in our home. And it's allowed us to do so much more with the money that we do have. It's limited, friends. The amount of money that you have, each of us, is limited. Uh, and we have to be resourceful with the money that God has given to us. We can't squander it. We have to be resourceful with it. Same is true of the church. When people give money to the church, we have to be resourceful with it. We have to contribute back to the kingdom of God. Not to say, hey, we're going to feed it all right in here and keep it right here in, this, in these four walls. No, we have to be men and women who are sending this out so that other people might hear the gospel. Make it a priority. Give sacrificially, third. If you need a biblical example, then look no further than the widow who gave all that she had. Giving doesn't always uh, leave us feeling comfortable, friends. It shouldn't. There should be times when we give where it's uncomfortable, where it hurts. And sometimes, friends, it does. God calls us to give sometimes in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. He leads us to do things in our own life that are uncomfortable. To give sacrificially. One of my dear friends uh, in ministry, he passed away the week before Christmas. His name was David Wilson. Uh, Dave uh, is an example for many people. He was just uh, a beacon of what it meant to give sacrificially. He... Uh, a long-time businessman, he owned a, a transportation company, a, a trucking company for a long time. And then he went and he uh, became this senior vice president of a, a transportation company that was uh, nationwide. Uh, did very well for himself, made a, a very good salary. And they, he said, Jeff, he goes, every year they gave me a, a brand new Cadillac to drive around, retirement, expense account. He goes, I, I, I didn't know what need was. He, uh, smart, intelligent, had a patent, a transportation patent that provided a lot of resources for his company and even for him. But he said, he goes, you know, the Lord got on to me. He goes, one day, he goes, I was at church and I listened to a bad sermon. And um, he goes, I, I just knew, though, that God was calling me to the mission field. You know, God does that, by the way. In a worship service speaks to you, calls men and women just like you out of your comfort zone into the mission field. It's true of him. He said, I, he goes, I don't know what I was, where I was supposed to go or what I was supposed to do, but he goes, I, I knew that I was supposed to go. So the next day, I went to my boss on a Monday morning and I said, listen, I'm going to give you one year and then I'm out of here. I'm going to the mission field. One year is what you get. 365 days from today, it's my last day. He said his boss didn't believe him. He goes, and the reason I knew he didn't believe him was because he wasn't looking for somebody to replace me. And he needed, find, he needed to find somebody to replace me because I did a lot for that company. And without me, they were in trouble. Without somebody like me, they were in trouble. Six months went on, and he goes, still no search, no look, no nothing, no, no one for me to train. 
He goes, finally, I, I go back to my boss and say, hey, listen, six months ago, I told you I was leaving, and six months from now, I'm going to leave. Nothing. A month until 11 months later, you know, 11 months go by, and still nobody's there. And his boss walks into his office and says, hey, are you done with this? Are you, are you, are you done with this pretending that you're going to quit? And Dave goes, no, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But in a, in a month from now, it's my last day. Faithful and true to his word, he quit his job and became unemployed. Uh, he took a job with the state convention of Baptists there in Indiana and served as the director of camps for, uh, for two years. And him and his wife prepared to go to the mission field. Went to Ecuador for five years. And uh, the reason we have a team in Ecuador right now is because of David Wilson. Uh, for five years he was there, and he said that the first couple of years, he goes, we would see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men and women give their life over to the Lord. Dave was an evangelist. If you went to Dave, went with Dave to the grocery store, Dave would come out with a bottle of uh, a gallon of milk and a, a soul. You know, no matter where you went with Dave, he was sharing the gospel with people. And on his dying, I mean, to his dying day with his nurses and with his hospice care, he was the man with the Bible in his hand. Friends, if you want to know why we give sacrificially, why we give it all, come next Sunday. I promise you, you're going to hear from a mission team that has experienced God at work in Ecuador. And the truth is God is at work there, but he's at work all around us. Not just in that country, not just in that city, but he's at work in St. Joe. He's at work in the United States, in Canada, Mexico. He's at work in every country on this globe, friends. And he's calling men and women just like you to go, to sacrifice of your resources, of your time, of your life to go. And it starts right here, though. I mean, if, if, if God is calling you to go somewhere else, he's, he's probably first calling you to start here. You know, last week I was going to preach from Matthew chapter 10. The week before I preached on Matthew 9, and Jesus went from town to town to village to village, synagogue to synagogue. Remember that? He didn't stay in one place. And what did he do in Matthew 10? He, he did the same exact thing to his disciples. He commissioned them to go from town to town, village to village. And he said, listen, some people are going to accept you, and some people aren't. And some people are going to do what? They're going to persecute you because of me, because of the message that you share. But he said this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But go. Go into all the nations and make disciples. That's our responsibility, friends. And, and it's hard, friends. I, I truly do believe that it starts here. 
In order to go there, a change has to happen here. It has to happen in your heart. You look at this woman here, and there's no doubt about her devotion to the Lord. Her actions proved that to be true, right? Her actions proved their complete devotion, their complete reliance wasn't on her financial stability. It was on the stability of her God. And our God cannot be shaken, cannot be stirred. He is faithful. He is true. And you can trust him, friends, with your life. It may be scary to give up a few dollars. It may be scary to give up your life. But your God is trustworthy. You can trust him with your life. Lord, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for this opportunity that we have together here and to worship you. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be men and women who hear your word and respond, who don't just say, that's a great message or that's a, I've heard that before, Pastor, but rather that we listen and that we obey. And Lord, I, I trust that you are working and moving in this place today. I trust that, Lord, that you are speaking to us in such a way that it's calling men and women into the mission field. It's calling men and women to give sacrificially, not just of their finances, but of their life. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak clearly to us this morning and allow for us to hear your message of what you want us to do next with our life. As we give of our life to you, Father, I pray that you would make it clearer to us what that next step is to be. Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you for giving us the example of what it means to give it all. May we today follow your example. Lord Jesus, we love you. I pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Friends, this is a time of worship where we respond to the Lord. As the Lord leads you, would you respond? This is a, uh, an invitation song. And, I, and I'm inviting you to come forward and to pray and ask for the Lord to lead and guide you. And this altar is here for you. If you want to come forward, you can do that. Uh, I'm, I'm inviting you to stay where you're at if you want to. I'm going to be back in the, in the Welcome Center, and I, I want to invite you to come back and, and talk with me. I, I would love to, to hear your story, to pray for you. But friends, allow for this time to be a time where you hear a message from the Lord, uh, to recognize that God is still at work. He is still moving and calling men and women to go.